Welcome to Snowmobile Sessions Live on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms. It's the number one destination to learn about snowmobiling, network with other sledders, and have an awesome time doing it. We'll meet other snowmobilers that share your passion and show your fan photos along the way. Snowmobile Sessions Live. Enjoy the ride. This episode, this episode of Snowmobile Sessions Live is brought to you by Energy Power Sports. They're Oakville's full-line BRP dealer with sales and service to all BRP models and so much more. Energy Power Sports always has the fun in store with a wide selection of clothing, parts, and accessories for all your power sports passions. Make Energy Power Sports your source for Can-Am off-road ATV and side-by-sides. Can-Am on-road Riker and Spider, including the sporty F3S. Sea-Doo watercraft and switch pontoon boats and Alumacraft fishing boats powered by Mercury Marine. Put yourself on a Manitou pontoon or a widescape stand-up snowmobile. Energy Power Sports is the home for Lynx and Ski-Doo snowmobiles for the entire family. Do you feel the energy? Energy Power Sports. 879 Cranberry Court, Oakville, Ontario or online energypowersports.ca all right. We get we got John Crawford from Daco Belts here this week. Welcome aboard, John. Hey Gary, how's it going? Not too bad. How you been? Pretty good. I was uh was enjoying the long weekend away from work and you know Monday came around and here we are back at the grind. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You've been, uh, do you do the trade show circuits? I ran into your colleagues there at the Toronto Snowmobile Show. We had a really good time. Yeah, I did a, I did a handful of them this summer and one in the spring. We went to the, I guess we call it the Mud Nationals down in Blevins, Arkansas. And man, that's a, that's a really good show for side-by-sides and enthusiasts that are into riding in the mud and everything. And uh, that was that was the one early in the spring, and then there was a couple more in the late summer. But I did not make it up to the Toronto Snowmobile Show this year. I was actually at a motorcycle racing event that weekend and couldn't make it. Nice, nice. So uh, tell everybody kind of what you raced uh, when you say motorcycle racing event. We got some pictures to back it up, but yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse me, I, I don't know if it's anything – you know, glamorous or not, but, you know, a few friends of mine and I, we got into racing in the lightweight twins class in the amateur series. I don't know. It was been probably 11 years ago now. And we, we never really thought that we'd get like as into it as we have, but it's, it's turned pretty serious and everything. And it's a lot of fun, but uh, the platform that we race is a Suzuki, SV 650s and the ones that we're on are heavily modified, uh, not necessarily a bike that goes 200 miles per hour in a straightaway, but they do go pretty fast. And we, we have a lot of fun with it and everything. That's cool. The 600 would be a fun class to race, right? Yeah, they're, they're twins. So it's uh, got a little bit different tone and a little bit different power band than some of the inline fours do. So it's a, 
it's an interesting, interesting class for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. How fast do they go? Oh, depending on the track, we might might get up to like 140, maybe 140 <laughs> plus on the straight. Oh, is that so. is that all? Yeah, it's like I said, nothing like scary or anything. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, for sure. So, and we got some pictures to show as well. Uh, you know, one thing I will say though, I was impressed at the Toronto show. Um, met, I met uh, Jay and uh, and I can't remember the other gentleman's name that was on the on the floor. There was a racing side by side, and I believe it was your snowmobile sitting there. And uh, that's one thing that I really like about your your company is you guys are actually riders and racers, and you 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 put your product to the test. Yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of our philosophy on the whole CBT line is that you don't really know how to talk about it and how to, I guess, express how good it is if you don't stand behind it and use it yourself. So we've really been into, you know, the power sports stuff, myself and some of the other product guys and everything for a lot of years. And it just goes to show that, you know, you you got to you got to sell what you what you're comfortable with or what you ride or what you use. And we're, we're definitely into it. Uh, Jay's really into the side-by-side stuff. And, and I, I've been doing snowmobile riding for over 20 years now and never got into like competitive racing or anything, but I got a lot of miles under my belt as far as trail riding and off trail riding and doing stuff up in Northern Michigan and in the UP and everything. Yeah. Sweet. So your passion is motorcycling first or 20 years of sled? Seems like you're pretty serious about that as well. Yeah, I I guess to look back on it, I was probably, you know, riding snowmobiles just as long as I was riding uh, motorcycles and everything. But, you know, I, I think the competitive side of the motorcycle racing, you know, definitely drew me over that direction. But as far as, you know, the fun and the the thrill and everything of riding snowmobiles, especially, you know, there's, <laughs> there's observed speed limits and everything, but you know, you can go as fast <laughs> as you want through the turns and, and nobody's really going to yell at you type of thing. So it, it's a lot of fun. Some of the guys that I race motorcycles with are also the same guys that I do the snowmobiling during the winter time. So I don't want to say we like, you know, put the helmets on and start, you know, banging bars or, you know, going head to head or anything, but there's definitely a little bit of uh, competitive edge that happens, you know, from time to time throughout the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. If you get your uh, racers together, I can imagine what it's like on the trails. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's hard, it's hard to turn it off. So, you know, no matter, no matter what you got underneath the throttle grip, you know, you just, you have that mindset that you have to go. So. Yeah, that's cool. We got some pictures of some of your sleds, old and new. Um, I, I can't wait to show them to the crew, but let's talk about Deco a bit. I mean, I, I've always been, a, and I'll be up front. I've always been a proponent, proponent of, you know, stock, you, you run your stock belt, you get your spare stock belt. Uh, um, but then after talking to Jay at the Toronto show and he's showing me the, the build quality, that new CTX product, um, I think I've changed my mind. Uh, talk to me a bit about that. Yeah. So the, the CTX is kind of this 
outside the box thinking and everything that goes into the CVT belt construction. And what we did was we kind of, you know, wiped the slate clean as far as what all the, the typical designs and uh, engineering that goes into CVT belts is and, and really catered it around a lot of what the market needs have been throughout the past few years. You know, the, the machines in general are not the machines that we were riding, say, 15, 20 years ago. So right. the, the need for a stronger, longer lasting belt, something that can withstand more horsepower and everything is so much more critical now than it ever was. Because when I first started riding snowmobiles, I mean, they were, you know, mid nineties, late nineties skidoos or whatever that, I mean, they, they didn't make a hundred horsepower even. And now just about every single sled new from the dealership lot, even the fan cooled options are making a hundred horsepower now. So yeah, we yeah. really, we really took that to heart and said, all right, we need a CVT belt that can really hold up to some of the rigors that not only the snowmobiles, but especially the side-by-side community that are, you know, doing a lot of modifications, a lot of hop ups to these machines that come with say 200 horsepower from the, from the dealership or from the factory and that belt that we i guess kind of settled on as far as the design goes is more driven around or derived from like our timing belts that we produce or that we sell to top field dragsters so right. we, we adopted a carbon carbon hybrid cord from that timing belt that we actually sell to the the top field dragster teams. And we incorporated that into the CVT belts that we're selling now under the CTX line. And what we get out of that is a really, really strong high tensile strength cord and just a, a much longer lasting belt just because of the materials that are used and everything. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny because you look at even the I just did a review on a on a 600 sport and that's 85 horse. You're you're getting close to the 100 horse. And then yeah. when, you, when you hop into the the E-Tex and the you know 100, 100 and a quarter and you get the uh, the 850s which is a lot higher and now the new turbo sleds it's it's really demanding. So do you put uh, do you put warranties on the belt like if you are riding an 850 or 850 turbo um what kind of warranties or what kind of uh not really a commitment, but what kind of peace of mind do you give someone that, that may be buying your belts? So all, all of the Deco power line belts that are sold carry a one year unconditional, uh, no questions asked warranty on them. So if you, if you buy the belt from a distributor or from a store or whatever, and keep your sleeve that the belt came in and also, you know, a picture of the receipt or the original receipt, if that belt fails, uh, we will honor a replacement, at least one replacement for that belt uh, with without a- asking any questions or anything. So whether that's like, you know, the top of the industry or not, but we we really stand behind the fact that, you know, depending on what you're putting it on, what kind of abuse you're subjecting it to, we don't have control over everything. But what we are confident in is if if it's used in the right way and it's on a well-maintained you know clutch system and everything, the belt's going to last. And we've seen that on a lot of the machines that we've tested on. 
and a lot of our own machines that we've been riding and everything. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Dominator asked a question. He said, uh, does Daco make um, OEM belts? Do you make manufacture the, the ones for OEM or are you not allowed to talk about it? Well, I, I'll I'll disclose this much. We we do not currently manufacture OEM CVT belts. We manufacture a lot of OEM belts for automotive uh, products and everything. So Deco primarily uh, specializes in front end drive components for light duty and heavy duty automotive. So a lot of the serpentine belts and drive belts and everything that you see underneath the hood of cars and trucks are produced by uh, by our companies and by our plants and everything. So a lot of that technology and a lot of that OE like quality and mindset is driven down through the CVT belts, but we do not currently have any sort of OE, uh, shall we say customers for the CVT belts. But to say that we're not working on some, that's, that's something I can't really discuss, but uh, okay. it is, it is something that we have experience with, not only with the automotive side, but also in the past, we've been a supplier for some of the CPT OE product. Sweet, sweet. Sled 519 actually has a great question. He said, uh, it might seem like a silly question, but running a non-manufacturer belt doesn't affect the warranty on the machine? Yeah, to my knowledge, I mean, it. it I've never came, come across, you know, a dealership that's going to say, you know, the warranty is not honored because you ran, uh, you know, an aftermarket belt or whatever. I've never, never had that question brought to my attention or whatever, but I, I think the aftermarket world kind of falls under that same Magnus and Moss act that the automotive, you know, industry does, you know, on the wearable items, you got to be able to run what's available to the public. Yeah, true. And I mean, what, what's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a belt is, uh, is, engine oil or, or something like that that's really affecting the operation of that machine right right if you run if you run inferior i mean worse can happen it breaks and the machine stops rolling forward you throw another one on and away you go right so yeah. what's the uh, what's the like the price comparison if you're talking about a a ski 850 oem belt um cory's putting it up there he said he thinks you're 289 plus the government's share on it um, how does it compare with the price of the CTX? Uh, the, the CTX line is priced very competitive or right in line with what the OE stuff is. We looked at, you know, some of, some of the major, I guess, machines that are out there. You know, my, my machine in particular is a 2020 Skidoo 850, and the OE Skidoo belt for that thing is well over $200. And so we took that, that's $200 US. I, I don't know what yeah, right. you're, you're on. Yeah, we're talking Canadian. Yeah, Wisco said his was 2023 is $225 US. They went up a yeah. bit even in the US. So right? so the, the $200 mark, you know, or $200 plus dollar mark is definitely where the, I guess the industry is kind of seeing the OE belt going. And we took that in consideration when we we're trying to price out the CTX line. And we wanted to keep it under, at least for the US, we wanted to keep it under that $200 mark. And so that's where about where everything fell, most of its line price. So you'll see that the ATV belts are, you know, all 
all one price and all of the snowmobile belts are all one price as well. But yeah, they're, they're in line or they're competitive with the OE belts. If you're looking for a, I guess a ballpark range and everything. Yeah. Right on. Before I go any further, I want to do some house cleaning and, uh, and say hello to our friends that are in the house here. And I just seen connect power sports says hello from connect power, power sports staff here in Mexico. He said, there's no snow here, but, uh, I guess Corey Brock, of course, he's in the house. We talked about him. Um, Jay, Justin Massar, he's, he was our co-host last week. Woohoo, Snow Machines, he says. Dominator says, evening, gents. Renegade X is in there throwing sparks. Sled 519, check out my video with Sled 519. We're going to have a couple more hoot that day was. Uh, there wasn't much snow that day. But we laughed our butts off and had a great time anyway. First time meeting each other and... Uh, and um and riding with each other we're definitely gonna do, do it again and uh see you night 44 super chat me with 99 cents canadian thank you i'll grab myself a coffee on the way to work tomorrow um dominator tim v he was first in the house he says how was it going uh sled 519 whistle sled as 850 xcr desert cat a desert cat shoot my shots in there uh, Jacob Harney sent in some pictures tonight. Greg Kelly, Mike Goonies, they're all here. They're all here. I don't hope oh, I didn't miss any in here, but uh, thanks a lot for tuning in and watching. John Miller, um, he said he had a belt explode on his FX Nitro. Goonies never blown a belt. I have. I've blown belts. And uh, yeah, so Gary was practicing for the Calgary Stampede that day. <laughs> Oh, I know what he's talking about on that. I did a, I got bucked off my sled pretty bad with smart shocks this year. It won't be a problem though. <laughs> that won't happen again. Were yeah. you riding on some rough terrain, Gary? Yeah. Oh, we were coming up. We were flying along the lake. There was a, it looked like just an island, but it was actually a cropping of land between two lakes. And, and I kind of launched off it. So trying my best Blair Morgan impersonation and, uh, it ended up throwing me over the handlebars and and I held on like a true cowboy would, you know, and let it drag me for a bit while I come down to stop to stop. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're all right. Oh yeah, for sure. No, we laughed about it. It uh, it shook me up pretty good, but uh, yeah, and I didn't have the camera running when it happened. I turned it on right afterwards. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was pretty crazy. So another crazy thing that happened on that same ride is. We're driving along, and I think we talk about on the comms. We, there's a truck that was kind of following us on the roads be, beside us. We're we're going through fields and directly across fields and trails, and we both noticed and said something about a truck. And Mike actually said it. And then next thing you know, it was across the road in front of us, across the trail, and he wouldn't let us through. And I just went around and kind of, you know, he had the window down and he had a coffee cup kind of holding it up and and i just kind of went around and he was kind of yelling you know obscenities at us and and you know slug 519 is a super nice guy and he decides to strike a conversation up and this guy wouldn't let him cross was, was wanting money and mike was afraid the guy was going to pull out in front of him run him over crash his truck into the sled if he tried to cross in front of him right like i did and and uh i ended up going back and You'll hear the exchange on the comms because I was rolling when when, uh, when Mike's exchange was going on to calm him down. But, you know, yeah. So, and about 
half a mile later, we, we find these guys in a ditch and we warn them, you know, like we help the guy get out of the ditch and say, you know, get out of here. There's some wacko redneck driving around trying to get money from us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know what? We drive skews. We don't have any money. <laughs> we drive. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been on all on the fancy ones. <laughs> <laughs> you, you shouldn't ask a snowmobiler for money. They're all broke. <laughs> yeah. Especially given the gas prices these days, right? Yeah, no kidding, right? So, but yeah, so there's there's more of that escapade. But it was a, it was just one of those days where if it was going to happen, it happened. So yeah, know, we were ready for it. But yeah, <laughs> Jay must have wanted some special drugs. I don't know what he was after, but I don't know. I think he had a monetary value in mind too. I can't remember. I'll, I'll have to go through and do it. But yeah, so. Yeah, the uh, and, so Dave, back to Daco Belts and the products, the CTX. Uh, what kind of performance, like, is injured performance gains, or is it a measurable gain in performance, or is it just a quality? Why would why would someone switch to a Daco belt? Well, I, I mean, to say that one one belt has more, I guess, performance gains than the other is not necessarily a true statement. Uh, we offer, I think, four or five different series of CVT belts, and they're all kind of catered around the applications that they're designed for. So a entry-level, you know, HP series belt for Deco is designed or it's kind of suited best for like low horsepower, you know, small displacement machines and everything. Uh, you're not going to see that belt going on anything that's, you know, a 600 or 800 horsepower or 800 cc, sorry, CC, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, snowmobile or anything, or even some of the side by side. It's more for like the leisurely riding and all that stuff. But then the HPX series is probably best suited for some of the, I guess, mid range snowmobiles like, uh, you know, maybe the the 500 cc's and stuff like that like the fan cooled machines and everything that probably aren't going to have a whole bunch of upgrades and performance options done to them and everything and then the xtx series is is probably the one that everybody knows deco best by and that that series has been around for a lot of years and, and it's actually a, a really good belt it's comparable to what the OE product is out there today. And that belt is, we recommend it, you know, going on 600 CC, 800 CC machines, like all day, no problem. But the, where the CTX or the new belt comes into play is when you're getting into those higher horsepower, you know, the machines that are making close to 200 horsepower or even more, or have like a lot of upgrades done to them, like turbochargers, or, you know, who, who knows what, you know, some of the drag drag guys are doing and everything. So the CTX belt is kind of best suited for that application. And we also offer a RPX belt for the snowmobile line. And that belt is actually designed for close course use. And it's got a little bit higher grip rating than some of the XTX and CTX belts have. So the guys that are doing you know, a lot of hole shots and a lot of, you know, accelerating and decelerating or whatever on closed courses or racing, that's going to be the belt for them. But we don't really warranty that for, 
you know, anything from like a, a trail use standpoint. So if somebody calls up with a warranty and they say, you know, this thing only lasted, you know, 500 miles on the trail, it, it wasn't intended to be used for that. So that we're, we're probably not going to warranty that. But uh, the XTX and the CTX belts, back to your question about the performance gains, it's not necessarily, you know, one belt's going to give or produce more horsepower for the machine. It's just how long it's going to last in that application. So something that is really abusing the belts and putting a lot of stress on the cords and all that stuff, the CTX belt, just by design, it's going to hold up to that stuff a lot better. I got you. So if you're wearing less, then you're, you've got more power, more, more contact with the clutch surfaces. So it's going to perform better. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Listen, do you want to check out some fan photos and we'll keep talking about Gecko, but we'll also have a look at, uh, at, uh, some of your adventures in the past. Are they are these my fans or your fans? We got a couple of we got a couple of my fans, and then we got some of your photos coming in. Okay, sounds good. But uh, yeah, we'll do this. I just got to play a little uh, billboard from Fast Track, and then we'll get right into this. Thanks. Okay. Fan photos are brought to you by Fast Track Snowmobile Traction. This season, quit sliding sideways on the ice and losing races to your buddies. A Fast Track stud kit will help you with improved braking and give you the arm ripping acceleration you crave. I put over 3,000 clicks last season on my Renegade 850, and I'll tell you, these studs exceeded my expectations. Not one broken stud, my Ida wheels still look like new, and they hooked up like I was on rails in the twisties, inspiring confidence every ride. Fast Track Top Gun kits are the highest rated stud kit at 4.9 stars with over 230 reviews. The studs are heat treated stainless, so they are strong and they don't rust. The kit is lighter, easier on the track, and has a lifetime warranty against braking. Each kit comes with a track-specific template for complete balance with over double the scratch lines from stock templates. All listeners, when purchasing a stud kit, can get a free install kit, a $30 value. Visit FastTrack.co, add both products to the cart, and use the coupon code SNOW at the checkout. That's F-A-S-T-T-R-A-C dot C-O. Right on. Just got to get this larger here if I can. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, so we got a few fan photos here. Uh, first one's from Jacob Masser. He was our co-host last week. And he sends in, he said he's on the show Monday night. And a guy come Tuesday night and pick up his old XRS. And on Wednesday night, this bad boy came home. 2023 Renegade XRS 850 in the Gen 5 platform with the fancy gauge and the smart shocks. Looks like a good time. Yeah, what do you think of these beasts? I, I'm i kind of torn on the new body style, but, you know, the 850 E-Techs are, I think they're worth every penny. I love mine for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Actually, I seen a chat the other day uh, just talking about the – the Gen 5, I think it still needs to grow on some people. Um, I found the Gen 4 really, really took a while to, to, for people to embrace it and now they love it. And I think the Gen 5 is a, is a, a another breed off of that. So I think it's going to be well received once, uh, once people see it on the trails and get to experience it firsthand that, uh, not just the looks, but the, the gauge and all the, uh, 
new uh, features of it are, are pretty incredible. Yeah. I think he sent me two pictures. There it is there with his old, his old one in the back. And then we have Jacob Harney from Michigan Outlaws. He sent me a note. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't tell you exactly what he said. But he's been working like a dog. He's uh, He hasn't been able to catch the shows. He's in the chat right now. So thanks for sending some pictures, Jacob. And we're going to get him on as a co-host in a in a couple of weeks. And and uh, when he has some time. And if anyone else wants to co-host, just shoot me an email. Fanphoto.mudrats.com. And uh, we'll get you on as a co-host. I just didn't have any lined up for this week. And we'll uh, we'll start plugging in as a week's uh, as a week's fall but uh, he picked up this new project so i seen a question uh, about asking if the outlaws are riding this year well this should be the answer to that question for sure old arctic cat and i can't remember what it is i think it's a panther but post in the chat there jacob harney um the uh and what this sled is and and give us a story because I, I've switched computers and I don't have the email on my on this computer, but check out how clean on this. Does it got a deco belt on that, Gary? It, I don't know. Does it? Does it, Jacob? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it better, right? It, it should. If not, we yeah. probably we probably have to get him in contact with somebody. Yeah, for sure. Well, he'll tell you. He's. I think he just picked it up, so. Yeah. All the outlaws got engaged to women, so no more toys for them, Dominator says. <laughs> yeah, they've had a busy summer for sure. Curtis McRobb said this was a little mishap. I believe he said it happened in Perry Sound. I'm sorry if I got the area wrong, but uh, I think they're just checking out the stud pattern on this slope. <laughs> You ever any epic crashes like that? Oh, I've I've rolled a couple sleds, but not not at high speed. It's usually from playing on the side of mountain, you know, hills and everything. So it's uh, you know pretty drama free when they roll over. But yeah, I've I've packed the top side with some with some snow before for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, that might be a buddy of his too. Now we're into your photos here, so. And again, everybody, send in your fan photos by Monday at noon. Fanphoto at mudbrats.com. Now we got the season starting to unfold. It's going to get busy again. So um, Monday at noon is the cutoff here. So here you are. Here is this at Hades? That was at Hades in, in Minnesota. Yeah. Nice. It was a good show. That, there was, that was my first time going to it. And there was a lot more people there than I expected. But definitely uh, an awesome turnout and a really, really good crowd of people for sure. Yeah, I I want to want to go to Heydays bad. I heard it's something you have to experience. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> bring your walking shoes because it goes forever and ever. I mean, super big, like uh, swap meet and everything too. And to see it all within a day, it's I think it would be impossible. Like you, you'd have to be moving the whole time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is this your racing team? Is 419 racing? Yeah. Here, I just uh, fly back. It's a crew. 
crew of, I, I don't know, three or four guys that we, we get together and we travel together and pit together and everything. But yeah, the 419 racing thing is kind of our, kind of our thing. Neat. And again, that's your bike there, is it? That's, that's one of the bikes. That's actually an endurance bike that we race. So those races are actually four hours long, start to finish. And it's, it's nonstop. So one guy will go until you basically run out of gas and then you come in and swap riders, fill up the bike with gas, maybe change a rear tire and then go back out. But it's a continuous four hour race around a close, you know, like a closed road course circuit. And it's a lot of fun, but it's a kind of mind over matter and pretty physical at the same time to be riding for that long. Oh, absolutely. Like your fatigue probably would, would be intense. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it takes a lot out of you for sure. Especially during the summertime when it's hot. So four, it's, it's how many laps your team can do in four hours. Is that how it works? Yeah. I mean, every, everybody starts at the same time. There's probably, I don't know, could be 40 bikes out there together, you know, all circulating yep. and it's, yeah, it's just whoever can do the most laps and whoever can keep running and everything. Sometimes it's kind of a battle of attrition. You know, you might start with 20 bikes in your class and only you know five of them end up finishing just because four hours is a long time. People crash, people have mechanical problems and, you know, anything goes in endurance racing. That's that's kind of our 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 saying that we have is. You know, how the race is going halfway through or even three quarters of the way through is not how it's going to end because so much can happen so fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What what kind of speeds are you running in an endurance race? I mean, like they're, the same, they're the same as bikes that we sprint, break, sprint race on. So, I mean, on the straightaway, you're still going, you know, 140, 150 miles per hour. Yeah. Sweet. keep pushing the wrong button because i i usually have the the slide running on on the computer that i'm running the show off of tonight to see if i can i can beat all the glitches we had the last few episodes so um this is some nice nice backcountry x is that a 2020 yeah that's my that's my sled i think how you saw it up at the toronto show it had a wrap on it that had deco power on the side of it but that's how it started its life as a backcountry x package i spring checked that in 2019 and picked it up in the fall or you know winter time of 2020 and actually this picture was from one of the the first trips that i took it on it was up to the up over kind of the western part of the up and got some really really good riding conditions for a, a long long stint that i did up there so yeah that was that was a lot of fun. That is cool. Lots of snow. Holy cow. So yeah. do you do you like do you like the backcountry like mountain off free ride, off off trail riding, or do I, you do more trail riding? I would prefer to explore and kind of be on you know the public land and everything and kind of cut my own trail. Uh I understand that not everybody's into that. So you know, sometimes we'll ride as a group, you know, on the trails and everything. But 
you know, when we find an opportunity to hop off and kind of bomb around in some of the deep snow and everything, like that's, that's what I think is the most fun. I mean, just, it's a lot more physical. It's a lot more challenging, requires a lot more skill as far as your riding goes. And yeah. I, I, I could do that stuff all day long. And, and there has been days where, you know, you, you ride the trail for 10 miles to get where you want to play. And then you spend the rest of the day, like, you know, getting stuck and digging your sled out and everything. And then, you know, doing it all over again, like all day long. So yeah, that, that's probably my preference. If, if I were to say the style that I like to ride is probably more off trail stuff than on the groom trails. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do, what do you run for paddle on that track? That's got a two, that's got a two and a half in, no, maybe it's just a two inch track on that. Yeah. I, I upgraded that from the factory, whatever the spring checked option was for the longer paddle. That's what I got. And I don't, I don't have any studs in it or anything, but it's just a, you know, a tall lug enough to get me in trouble, but it, it still hooks up pretty good. Yeah. You slide. There's some trails. Yeah, that's more that's more stuff up in the UP. I think that was a trip that we were heading up to the Keweenaw Peninsula. Uh, we do that kind of every couple years or whatever a group of us do. And that's a power line trail that, you know, you, you ride that power line for, I don't know how many miles it is, but it's just a lot of like hills and ups and downs and everything. And that's kind of your view for a, a long ways, but that was at the start of it. And we stopped and took a picture real quick. Yeah. You can see winding through all the in and out of the, the forest and along there. We have a lot of trail like that um in our in in northern ontario i don't know you've ever ridden in our area but yeah it's uh it's see you see quite a bit like this <laughs> yeah. and there's jay's uh side by side there <clears throat> yeah that was a, a picture that i took when we were out in california at the sandsport super show in southern california and that, that was a really good show too you know, all things, uh, shall we say, like Baja racing, desert racing type applications and all that. Something that snowmobilers don't get involved in that often. But it was a great show for us to be at. And the turnout was excellent. Tons of people, tons of enthusiasts that were interested in hearing about, you know, what Daco had to offer. And those guys consume belts. So that's for sure. They, they ride in hot conditions hot climate and everything and they they put belts to the test nice how much does it how much does it take to engineer a belt like that is, is it something where it's it's decades in the making or or do you come up with new products every few years uh, because you can quickly improve like that this latest CTX belt line that we launched, uh, I guess it was, you know, late last year, early this year, it, we spent probably two to two and a half years in research and development before we even started putting it into sleeves and like getting it out there, you know, for sale. So it takes a long time, like, you know, not only lab testing, but also, 
you know, the, the real world testing that we've had to do on side-by-sides and snowmobiles just to make sure that we're comfortable with going to market with the belt and everything. So I would say, you know, that, that cycle of two or three years is probably a good estimate and everything, but yeah, a lot of the technology that is incorporated into the belt, especially this new CTX belt, like we, we copied from other belt technology that we were already using. So it wasn't like from a, a complete from scratch design. It was something that, you know, was kind of some things were adopted from other belts that we had a lot of experience, not only manufacturing, but also engineering and everything. Sweet. Yeah. Like it, there's a, I think we have a breakdown coming up. These pictures aren't in order by any means because they, they just get dragged in in a hurry to the, the software, but the, uh, there is a picture of, a, of showing, a, I think it's in there, of the, the split view of the CTX belt. So we can talk about that when we get to it, about the compound of it and, and what's different. I know the edges and things were something Jay was pointing out at the show. Yeah, actually, what, what's your thoughts on belt breaking? I, I see some chat about people uh, washing them with soap and water and you know, uh, running them for a few K and then putting them on as a spare and putting the other one on. So it's already broken in. Is your belts require break in or are they ready to go out of the package? Yeah. I, you know, my advice is all belts require some break in, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we recommend two heat cycles and a heat cycle is kind of justified as put the belt on, make sure that the clutches are clean and, you know, everything's, you know, aligned properly and all that stuff, put the belt on, ride it around, you know, it's kind of easy throttle and all that stuff, getting the belt and the clutch system up to temperature and then stopping and letting it cool off. And what that does is it kind of adds another cycle of vulcanization to the rubber and everything, because as, as you know, these belts are, are put together and not necessarily like a liquid form, but they're they're very, very soft rubber when they're put together. So the more times you can kind of replicate that bringing from, you know, say like cold or room temperature up to like a warm temperature or the working temperature and then bringing back down just kind of steadies that whole, you know, structure of the belt and the the compound of it and everything is just going to make it last longer the easier you are when you break it in so again we say two heat cycles so bring it up to temperature let it cool off and then repeat that once when you let it cool down again it should be good to ride you know at at full throttle or you know ride it hard and everything but i'd say you know all the belts need to have a little bit of you know, easy break in or whatever before you go like wide open throttle and you start, you know, hammering on it and everything. Yeah, I was I always heard a good acronym years ago or or comparison that it's like a muscle. You wouldn't just lay on a bench and start pumping 250 pound reps. You know, you'd uh, you have to warm up first, right? Or else you're yeah. gonna be really sore. So and that's always stuck with me. So that's a good point. And depending, depending on who the manufacturer is or, you know, what style of CVT belt it is, you know, some of them are cut belts and some of them are ground belts. So, or they're cut and then ground. And some of the, I guess the manufacturing process leaves a little bit of 
shall we say, like fuzz or a little bit of debris on there that you kind of have to like bed in or you have to work that surface a little bit so that it's it's making good contact with the clutch sheaves and all that. Uh, depending on, you know, who the manufacturer is, when you talk about like the whole putting in a dishwasher and everything, I think there's a couple different theories to that. You know, some people say that that adds like another heat cycle or that gives it a heat cycle before you use it. And then other people say that, you know, they had to wash off some, any kind of oils or anything that might've been on there. I, I do know that belts, produced in the past have been made with like a mold release on the drum that they're produced on. And that mold release can sometimes stay on the belt and, and can hinder the the grip level or the performance of it initially. So I think that the whole washing theory is something that might apply to belts like in the past, but not necessarily the, the new belts. We, we Daco don't use any sort of mold release on our manufacturing process. So there's really no need to wash the belts prior to use, but you know, having them clean is definitely a good idea. But I think that more uh, focus needs to be made on making sure that the clutch systems are clean and the clutch surfaces are clean and prepped right versus, you know, making sure that the belt is completely spotless and everything. Cause just throwing the belt onto a set of dirty clutch sheaves and everything. I mean, you're, you're basically ruining the belt before it even has an opportunity to work the right way the first time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Jay Masser said he had a dew belt on his Gen 4. He blew three of them in 2,000 miles. He put a Daco on. It was still good at 7,000 miles. All Do you right. hear that a lot? I... <laughs> I don't necessarily know <laughs> why why that would you know change that much you know why why the OE belts would be giving him problems and why a, a Deco belt would be drastically different or last so much longer. I mean, it's great that that we were the solution for that problem that he had, but I can't necessarily say that you know the belt was the you know the direct you know solution for it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine you test though for comparison as far as longevity goes, right? It, like, do you have, uh, um, you know, do you have test facilities where you run that belt for, you know, twenty days straight at full RPM or with maximum yeah, we got load some, on it? Like, we have some static dyno tests that we can subject the belt to, you know, long hours, and we can put, you know, simulated loads on the belts and everything. So during the whole R and D process, we're doing that. But once we go into production, most of the, shall we say, like the, the proofing of the belt, once we get the design all figured out, you know, the compound and the core design and everything, a lot of it's just down to making sure that it works in real world application, because that is in turn really what it's going to be subjected to. You know, it's not going to be on a, on a closed environment, like, you know, a controlled you know, situation or whatever, it's going to be subjected to so many different variables that you just have to get out and you got to use it. And that's really what we've been doing with this new CTX belt is just trying to subject it to as many different uses and abuses that we possibly can. And, you know, so far we've had really good luck with it. Yeah. Nice. 
Uh, Keith sixty three oh sixty says he can be a tester if he need any. <laughs> right. Well, we'll uh, we'll make sure we get him signed up for you know, right. year or next year. We're we're always looking for for people that can give us some good feedback. Sweet. Uh, Greg Kelly says, Gary, did John say that Daco will fit any recreational machine? Uh, the did John say Daco will fit any recreational machine? Everything that we have applicated in our parts lookup on DacoAftermarket.com is what we have the belt set up for. So all modern day side-by-sides, four-wheelers, and snowmobiles, we have pretty much 100% coverage for those right now. There's a few of the brand new models that we don't have that we're in development on. One in particular that I can think of that I don't think anybody has in the aftermarket right now is for the new Polaris side-by-side. And that one, we actually are in the process of tooling that up and getting that available in like our XTX line and our CTX line right now. But to, I guess, answer the question, yes, we have a belt for almost all modern day machines. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it does. It does. Jake Harney, the guy with the Arctic cat photo, he said he found a Daco belt for his 1980 LT. That's what that is. That was right. That's the belt that was just up on screen. He said, I'm impressed they still have stuff for the old machines, he says. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot. I don't know if Daco is kind of known for you know having the the stuff for the vintage sleds, but you know that HP series. When I'm looking through like the the list of SKUs and everything, and I look at the applications that they fit, you know, some of those go back to some really old stuff, like you know, 60s and 70s snowmobiles that I I didn't think that you know people were still changing belts on those, but. I guess if they're doing restoration projects on them, like that's one of the things that they probably have to change because the belt could be 20 or 30 years old. So it's probably, probably not going to hold up very long if you took it out on the trail. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this, uh, this photo we're looking at here looks like you're on the podium uh, with a, with some hardware. Yeah, that's a, that's a race that we go to every year at mid Ohio in land in, Lexington slash Mansfield, Ohio area. And we've been going to that for about 10 or 11 years now. And that event is <laughs> now that I've been to heydays, it's almost like the, it's like the motorcycle equivalent to heydays because it's got, you know, acres and acres of swap meet that goes on, but then they have like vintage and modern day, like road racing and then vintage, motocross racing and trials racing and everything else like all going on at the same time throughout the property and it's just it's chaos and you know confusion and everything and it's so much fun just because there's like so much to see and so much to do if if anybody's ever thought about going to motorcycle vintage days at mid ohio but haven't yet i i guarantee you'll you'll not regret it if you get to go because it's just it's an experience i I thought the whole time I was at Heydays, like I was at a snowmobile equivalent of that whole event just because it had the same vibe and the same ambiance and everything. Oh, for sure. That's pretty cool. <laughs> is it uh, street or is there a uh, dual sport and dirt bike uh, in that vintage as well? 
It's it's just about everything. So on the road course track, I mean, you got stuff that's all the way back to like the hand shift, like, you know, the flathead Harleys and all that stuff. And then uh, on up to, you know, they have a modern day road road course or road racing crotch rockets and everything that are racing out there. But then in the in the vintage like motocross stuff, I mean, it's it's all all kinds of different machines that are that are out there two strokes four strokes and you know it even even at night when you know all of the the real official stuff is done i mean you see some some different walks of life getting out on some pit bikes and some of their you know personal machines and everything and riding around it's it's pretty entertaining for sure that's pretty cool And then here we are. It looks like your track side at a snow event is what it is. Yeah, we we went up. I don't know if it was a good idea or not, but we went up to the I-500 this year in January and watched some of our sponsored racers, and we actually help out with the event and everything. And why I said it, I don't know if it was a good idea because it was cold that weekend, but we were just spectating and – uh, we we had a good time. That was actually my first time going to the I five hundred. the The two two guys that I went with, Jay was one, and then uh, another coworker slash racing friend of mine. He was the other guy that went. They had been, you know, a few years past, and they kind of knew what they were getting into, but I didn't. But you know, we went and we enjoyed the show. You know, that race is is definitely a big deal. People come in from all over the place. There were some people there from Texas that were coming up and like spectating and everything. So it's uh, it's definitely something to see. But I, I hope to make it up to Eagle River this year and check that out. I know we have a couple of sponsored riders that participate in that every year. So I want to make sure that we we see that firsthand. But yeah, we will probably be at the I five hundred again. So if anybody sees those you know, blue deco climb coats walking around and, you know, flag us down or give us a holler. And, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll chat about belts or, you know, have a, have an adult beverage together or something. Right on. Well, that's the thing at the Toronto show, you guys are great to chat with and, and I can see why your exhibit was so busy because it's so such personality too, you know, and you think it's just belts and how much, how interesting could it be? But, um, man that jay had such a wealth of of sport knowledge that uh it blew me away so you're saying jay was jay was talkative with you huh yeah he was i got video evidence to prove it on there at the show with Nico. yeah yeah he'll he'll definitely tell you a thing or two that's for sure oh yeah for sure no it was good Looks like you. Hey, welcome aboard, Ben Oosterman. He said he was, it was. He's late, guys. It's been a long day at work. Yeah. So looks like you're doing some open heart surgery here on the on the crotch rocket. I think that was a, a clutch repair that had to take place during practice or during qualifying the morning of one of the endurance races. And you know, the best way to do a clutch job without draining all the oil and everything is just lay the bike on the side. So. That's what we did, and we got the bike fixed. I, I can't remember what our result was after all that was said and done, but we did finish the four-hour race after we did that. But, yeah, there's there's just an example of, you know, some sometimes you wake up thinking that everything's going to go just fine, and then you go out and 
you know, your 30 minute warm up and everything and the clutch starts slipping. So it's like, well, I guess we got to go to work, but that's why we take parts. And that's why we, you know, know how to fix things ourselves and all that stuff. But yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting day. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Been there, done that wrenching on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not like a motocross bike where the clutches are easy to get at. You you literally had the side panel off and everything exposed there to the elements. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I think you're I think your belt in this pair is sitting a little low in the sheaves. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I think that was uh, you know, maybe right after installation or something like that. We we put together uh an instructional video on, you know, just kind of a general how to change a belt, how to, you know, maintain a CVT clutch and stuff like that, what to look for, what to clean type of thing. And then kind of walk through like the break-in process and all that stuff. And that's up on our website or you can, you know, find it on our Deco YouTube page and everything. But like I said, it's just a real general video about, you know, uh, just what it takes to swap out the belt. You know, prior to working for Deco, I really didn't have a lot of experience, you know, changing belts or knowing a lot about belts. I came from the automotive aftermarket side of the business. And, you know, I, I've been into riding snowmobiles, but I've never been, you know, real religious about, you know, changing out CVT belts on a regular basis or what the benefits are in doing that. So what I've learned in the past couple of years of like, being a product manager with the CBT belt line is just, you know, there's so much benefit to having new belts, new, new rubber touching like the clutch sheaves and everything that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, they'll run the OE belt and as long as it's still working and not leaving them alongside the trail, they'll keep using it. And that's, that's one misconception that I think a lot of people have is like, just because the belt is still in one piece or it's still functioning doesn't mean that it, it, doesn't need replaced. So we're really trying to like build our message for like, you know, education and, you know, awareness around like helping the end users know what the benefits are of, you know, having a fresh belt on, whether it's your, you know, your operation where it's accelerating better, it's hooking up better, you know, less slippage or, you know, better engine braking when you're decelerating and all that stuff. Everything is, is driven through that belt. And if you have an old one on there, there's just a lot that you can be like giving up. And, you know, the, the underlying issue is, you know, possibly getting stuck alongside the trail, which nobody wants to do. But, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I didn't have a lot of experience with prior to working for Deco, but now, now I, not because I get a good deal on belts, but I'm pretty passionate about, you know, keeping fresh ones on my machines all the time. Yeah, right on. Well, how do you know though? Like, I mean, I, I some, my, my ride, I might be able to get 5,000 K out of a belt and someone else might be harder on them and get 2,000 K. But how do you know when, what, what is the, the litmus test for a fresh belt? Yeah, I mean, you can you can tell a lot by looking at the belt, you know, whether it's been, you know, subjected to a lot of heat and everything like you can see some glazing on the surface of the belt. And there's really no like good way of like cleaning that up, you know, and, and making sure that it's consistent all the way around. So I wouldn't recommend anybody taking sandpaper or, 
you know, scuffing up that surface or anything, because you could end up doing more harm than good by doing that. But, you know, it's just, it's just, if, if you're experiencing any sort of like slippage or anything like that, uh, you know, maybe interruptions within acceleration, you know, it's not accelerating smooth throughout the power band and all that stuff is probably belt related. And, you know, for, for the price of what belts are, like I'd rather have a fresh one on there and know that it's going to work the best and it's going to last for a long time than, than be milking along like a, an old one and have it break on me or something like that. Oh, for sure. You, you mentioned that, that some belts are cut, some belts are ground. What what processes yours or does it depend on what model it is? It, it depends what series. So we, within the past year, just got some new cutting equipment on our manufacturing line. And so we're actually cutting uh, probably 90% of our belts that we're manufacturing today. And in the past, when they were made at a different manufacturing plant, they were actually cut and then ground. So it would it would get kind of the, the rough shape or that rough angle first. And then they would be put into like a grinding process afterwards in order to like really refine that profile so that everything's like you know smooth and also those angles are like consistent all the way around because if they're all if they're not there's even like some of the new modern day side-by-sides that'll throw like engine codes when that surface isn't like 100 percent true yeah yeah for sure uh denon asks his belt with good indicator of life is belt what is belt with the width you know width. like i guess that's the same thing as if if you're setting your deflection and it drops into the sheaves you know after it wears a while um that's getting skinnier it's not as wide is 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 there a, a test on that or should you replace it before it starts to sit lower yeah I, if if it's sitting lower i would be more concerned about adjusting the belt height on you know snowmobiles most of the time, I know on all of my Skidoo machines that I've owned, you've been able to adjust the belt height, like, you know, throughout the wear of the belt. And and all that's going to do is make sure that your gearing within your primary and secondary clutch are always staying consistent because that's going to, that's going to make up where your belt rides and like the power band that it's in and everything a lot more than, shall we say, like the width of the belt, because that, that could be wearing down, it could be changing, but as long as the belt height is staying consistent, then you should be okay. I, I don't know if you can really gauge a belt's life based off of, you know, throwing a set of micrometers on it and checking the width, you know, versus like a new one. Because the, the thing that's tough there is there's a tolerance that the belts are manufactured to. So you might not have a belt that's like, a hundred percent exact with how wide it's supposed to be, you know, compared to the OE or compared to another aftermarket belt or whatever. So to say, yeah, check it for this width. And if it's, you know, less than like throw it away or swap it, like that's, that's not really a good train of thought or whatever. I, I would be more, more conscious of making sure that it's always in the right belt height according to the owner's manual if that makes sense yeah sounds good yeah set your deflection and take care of that right yep this is is this you rocking the turn here that's uh 
That's me. I don't know what that could be a road Atlanta maybe, but yeah, that's, that's me on a, on an SV 650. That's for sure. What do you ride on street for, for your personal bike? Actually sold all of my, all my street going machines. At one time I had a whole bunch of them and I just, throughout the years of riding on the track and living life dangerous and everything, I, I decided to go away from being, you know, out there with the cars and the, and the horse and buggies and all that stuff and, and decided to, you know, stick to just the track where I, I felt a little bit more comfortable, you know, all dressed up in the gear and the helmet and all that stuff. It just, everybody going the same direction makes a lot more sense to me than, you know, people, people crisscrossing across the road. So yeah, no one pulling out in front of you or changing lanes. Yeah, I've I've owned a, a plethora of street going motorcycles, but the last one that I had was basically a street version of what we raced, which was a SV six fifty. Nice, pretty cool. It, it, do you did you find it hard to separate the race the track from the street? Like, did you find it hard to turn off the 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 craziness? Drive like yeah, a maniac. That- that could be another reason why I've gotten away from riding on the street is because it is, it is kind of like, you know, in your DNA when you're on a motorcycle to like go fast. And if, if you know you're capable of going quick through the turns, like you kind of want to. So I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm pretty conservative when I ride on the street. I don't like to do a bunch of stunts and crazy stuff, but if I'm on a set of roads that have some nice curves and everything, I, I like to have a good time. So it's, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm still like, you know, young or something like that. But I, I think, I think someday I'll get back into some street riding. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> At least, you know, when to, when to hold the, the hand of the cards, right? Well, or, or just get all my wiggles out on the on the track and you know through racing, and then you know if I can if I can behave on the street, then I I don't have to go all crazy and everything. But you know, snowmobiling kind of helps with that too. You know, going going fast on the trails, you know, during the winter time, kind of kind of has that same you know, feeling that you have when you're going through curves on either the track or on the road, but you know, it's, uh, the grip level's a little bit different and, you know, the handling's a little bit different, but it's, it's still kind of got the adrenaline rush that you have when you're on two wheels. Oh, that's cool. And here, it looks like you're checking the belt here on a side-by-side. Yeah, that was during I think the same video shoot. We were using uh, X3, Can-Am X3, and then we had uh, another employee's Skidoo snowmobile that we were, I guess, using as our demo machines and everything. But yeah, that was uh, that was a machine that we we changed the belts on and we did some inspections on and everything. And this is just a just a clip from either that video or it's one of the still shots that was taken while we were in the, in the garage doing that. Nice. Yeah. There's another shot there. Having a look at it. Yeah. You're probably sitting there going, can't believe Jay put that, put this that much mud. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I actually, (laughs) 
I don't think that Jay even had a side by side when that you know that picture was taken. So he, oh, he, he didn't even cool. know he didn't even know what it was like to you know wash a side by side. But you know he definitely does now, and probably uh, I have some blame for that too because I've I've been the one driving it or encouraging him to go through some stuff that he's probably not comfortable going through. So yeah, maybe we'll, take we'll get to some of those pictures too. Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, uh, the outlaws, outlaw Jake that was in here. They there's four or five of them in the outlaws, and they each have a side by side. Been developing them up over the years, and they they mud and everything with us. So it looks like a hoot. It looks like it would be an equivalent to someone being that same type of mentality and you know brotherhood and you know feeling. You know, right? Yeah, some of those guys are really hard on equipment, though. Like I, I've been to some of the events, and it's almost like they they own that stuff to break it. You know, like I, I I don't intentionally try to break my snowmobile. I I ride it hard and I like to have a good time, but I don't necessarily want to come home with it in pieces. Like that's not my goal for the weekend. And I think some of the side-by-side guys, like that's kind of their, that's their MO for the, you know, the trip is just to make sure that like something expensive gets broken. So they have like, you know, something to fix during the week or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I can't, I can't imagine that. They must have good sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't know, good, good paychecks for, for uh, <laughs> getting stuff fixed. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. This is a great trail riding shot. Now is that your sled with the wrap on it in the front? Yeah. There? That one up that I'm standing next to at the front. Yeah. That's the, the same yellow one that you saw in the other pictures. It's just, we, we took it up to a place in Michigan to have the wrap put on it. And I, that place did a really, really good job. I mean, you saw it at the Toronto show. I did. So it, it yeah, like it's very, I love it. It's very clean and tasteful and it's hard to believe it's yellow underneath that. Yeah. Very well. Most of the body work was swapped out. So it, it, you shouldn't see any yellow, like, you know, sneaking through or whatever, but yeah, they, they did a good job, like kind of getting the, the logos and the design all laid out and everything. Yeah, for sure. Is this the UP as well? That is in the UP. I think that was a trip that we made this last season. It was probably in the late January, early February timeframe. And that might've been another trip from like that Munising, Ishpeming area up to the Keweenaw Peninsula. So nice. that seems to be for, for our crew and everything, that seems to be a, a go-to trip when we get up that far. You know, it takes us from Ohio, it takes, you know, 12 hours of driving in order to get to Ishpeming. And then we usually, uh, <coughs> usually backpack, from that area excuse me usually backpack from that area up to you know the the tip of the peninsula and everything and stay a night in a couple hotels and everything and it's it's a it's a good trip you know you break it up maybe a couple hundred miles a day type of thing and it's yeah it's good riding but usually the conditions are like amazing the whole time that we're up there Looks looks great in this picture. Lots of snow. Yeah, makes makes me miss it for sure. Here you are with the XTX belt throwing her on the players general. Yep. 
some more whether the video shoots or photo shoots or something we were doing for marketing stuff but you know that's a that's a work day there that wasn't that wasn't for fun that was for you know making sure we had had the good you know b-roll and the extra pictures and everything for advertisement type of stuff yeah nice you see the uh, the the show last week. I know you caught a few episodes where I was playing the game. Are are am I smarter than a smart shock? And I was pronouncing the the UP cities. You had mentioned a few names here, and Wisconsin uh, cities and villas. The cat that one, but I've yeah, been to I smart shocks. I, was, I I haven't been I haven't been to Wisconsin for riding. I've been close to it. You know over in the western part of the up but i haven't been across the up slash wisconsin border but uh, this this shot's up at the top of the hill in copper harbor up in the tip Sweet. of the keweenaw peninsula that's a good view there it's a really good view of like the bay and everything else but yeah that's about as far north as you can ride in michigan oh is that right and then this is a typical snow in up right here you're buried yeah i i don't think i got ejected from the sled to cause that picture i think that was uh just somebody take my picture of me laying in the snow type of thing but yeah it was you probably dove. it was probably it was dove in that soft it was really deep that weekend and and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, I love that. Like when you get snow like that, and it looks like it was snowing during the photo there, that's that's heaven. That makes a 10-hour drive, whatever you did, well worth it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I could, <laughs> I could ride in conditions like that for days and days, that's for sure. Yeah. There you are. You're pushing some snow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, back with the sled before the wrap. So that was probably one yeah. of the first trips that I took it on. But yeah, that's uh that's some good conditions there. That's that's about about ideal, I think. Oh, it is. We don't get many weekends like that. No. It's parked in, it's higher than the than the footboards and well yeah. over the front bumper. Yep. Nice fluffy powder. There's Jay's side by side right there. Yeah, that might have been moments after I had to wash it because I got it stuck in the mud. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's clean in that picture, clean-ish. You know, it, probably not to his standards. He's like he likes to take a toothbrush to the spokes of the wheels and all that stuff and really get it cleaned up. But I'd, I'd rather th see the thing dirty and getting used. Nice. Nice. What what other uh, performance mods are on that engine? I don't know if anything internally has been done, but I mean, he's put like an exhaust and a couple of other things. I I know recently he got it tuned, which you know got a few more horsepower out of it, but it's it's for the most part pretty stock. Oh, is that right? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Now the guys that he runs around with that are also you know doing some testing on our belts. Like I mean, they're they're running you know, pretty much full tilt, uh, you know, drag, sand drags side-by-sides that are pushing like 500, 600 horsepower to the wheels. And I mean, those things, 
those things, there's not a stock piece on them. Most of the blocks are like billet aluminum, you know, made from scratch and all that stuff. But those guys, they're on a different level. They're yeah. they're not in it just for fun. They're out in it for going to races and winning a lot of money and everything. So, oh yeah, the bounty holes and everything like that. Just yeah, people go those, easy. Do yeah, people yeah. people spend a, spend a lot of money on the the side by side racing stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I see it on Instagram all the time and the amount of money in these mud pits is just insane. Yeah. But I guess that you could be, you could be doing crack or something worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I often think, I often think that about, you know, like the whole, like the motorcycle racing stuff. It's like, you know, there's, there's probably a lot worse stuff that I could be subjecting my body to and like spending all my fun money on and everything. But, you know, we've, we do the the racing and it's expensive, but it's a lot of fun. It's pretty physical, so makes makes you want to stay in shape and take care of your body a little bit. But you know the the amount of the amount of money you see at the racetrack or even at some of these events that we've been to, like that Mud Nationals. I mean, the guys the guys roll in with you know from the from the dealership forty thousand dollar machines and then they're dropping forty thousand dollars worth of upgrades into them with ten thousand dollar stereos on them and yeah and they're pulling them with you know seventy eighty thousand dollar pickup trucks and you know they got them on you know monster trailers and everything it's it's pretty intense like to see that much money floating around just to go out and do what you see in this picture right here you know just bury it in the mud but you know, every, yeah, everybody needs a hobby, and I I totally get it. I think it's a lot of fun when we're down there and we're partaking in the events and everything. It's just I don't know. It's it's not for me, you know, quite yet. I I'm not saying someday <laughs> I won't get a side by side and put some you know portals and some swamper tires on it and everything. But for now, I'm just gonna like you know stick to you know cleaner racing and some snowmobiling and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Cleaner racing is the key. You don't have to wash your bike like that or your sled. You know, you have to you have to clean it, but it's not like cleaning this, right? Yeah. Especially for your OCD, like Jay, where you have to get the toothbrush out. This this wouldn't sit well with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a. I gotta say that I'm I might be slightly responsible for that whole situation right there. We. <laughs> We were there on the first day. The event hadn't started yet, and we kind of thought, well, we'll go out and explore the grounds. It wasn't it wasn't too bad as far as, like, the mud and, like, the, the the ground was holding up pretty good because there wasn't a lot of people there yet. But we went around and did some of the, the easier trails and everything. We got to this, like, kind of crossing, and I, I said, Jay, you, you know, put it in four-wheel drive. You got this. You got the the high lug tires on there and everything. Okay. So he went and man, he, I don't know if he high centered or he just lost momentum or something like that, but it, it buried. And all of a sudden there was water up over like my, my knees, you know, like I was sitting in standing water. You're the, yeah, you're the passenger. You're in the, you're in the mud puddle here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that required finding, you know, flagging down and finding some help, which, you know, there, there were some, some nice, you know, quad riders that ended up, you know, getting a, a winch out or some toe straps and they, they pulled us out, but that was, 
that was kind of how the event started. And then we ended up, you know, kind of going back out and adding to it as the weekend went on. But the, the good thing was, is as we were packing up, the last thing I remembered to bring was a electric pressure washer. So we were kind of the, the highlight of the, the camping area that we were camped in because we had a pressure washer and like, you know, we were keeping our machines clean and everything throughout the weekend. So that was, that was good to have. Yeah, that's sweet. Oh yeah. You want to travel with a pressure washer for sure. When you're at one of those events, it's, it's almost mandatory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there it is with the full wrap on it again. That looks great. What's that box on the back? Is that a BRP box? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a Skidoo, I guess, luggage trunk or something like that that uh <laughs> it's funny you ask about that so uh, another guy that we were riding with he had a machine issue and he ended up having to get a rental sled and i i took i took his luggage box because it was you know it fit on my sled but it didn't fit fit on his rental and so i had to lug that thing around with a whole bunch of i actually had a whole bunch of like spare belts in it that we were like you know, giving away people at like the, oh, cool. you know, the, the bars and like the gas stations and stuff like that. If I saw a machine that I knew I had a belt for, we're like we hand up some free belts and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that box was massive. I mean, it, it, it took up a lot of space on the back and I didn't really like it, but you know, whatever, it was only a couple of days. I think Godzilla six is, uh, is Jay in the chat he said yeah, you instigated be. that mud hole 100 percent. he says yeah that's like i said that one was my fault <laughs> love it yeah here you are enjoying the snow too that's just uh that's a perfect day yeah you know people say like I don't want to go snowmobiling because I don't want to get cold, but you put the right gear on and it's actually really, really comfortable. Like I, I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've actually been cold, cold while I was out like riding, because especially if you like get out moving around, get your blood pumping and everything, like it's, it's really not that bad, even in like pretty below zero temperatures. Right on. No, I know. I agree. And, and even for new riders, like getting cold ruins your day fast. So if you're yeah. taking friends or, or family out, make sure they're warm. Cause that's the, they won't remember it. Yeah. They won't remember anything except freezing their knuckles off. Right. right. So if you, they have the right gear and they stay warm, everybody's going to have a great day. Yeah. Yeah. There you are stuck. I, I blame the box on this stuck here. Yeah, I think, big I think there was too much weight on <laughs> too much weight on the rear. I couldn't couldn't keep couldn't keep it going. Yeah. Love it. Digging out. Those those are the best days to dig out. You're deep there. That back end is is digging. Yeah. I again I think it was the box's fault. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's a lot of weight if you're filling that with, with belts. Yeah. 
Now this is Jay, Jacob Masser needs to do this color scheme on his new 850. He's already got the yellow ski hoops. I think he should do the yellow do logos and and change the red X and the grill out the yellow is what I told him. That's my 2004. That was my 2014 uh, Renegade is what that one is. Yeah, nice looking machine. So is that that's an 800 E Tech, is it? No, that was a 600 E Tech. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's rare in a, in a Renegade uh, 600 E-Tech like that. That's good. Hard to find if you're looking for them. Yeah, I like that sled. That was a good trail sled. It would be. Nothing wrong with a, little, with a 600 when it's done right. That's for sure. Yep. Is this um, the Big East Power Sports Show? No, this was the the IMS or the uh, AIM Expo that was out in Las Vegas last year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, good, clean booth. This is kind of what you showed up with in Toronto with as well. I tell you what, that snowmobile got a lot of attention in Las Vegas. Oh, they wouldn't know what it was, would they? <laughs> it's a lot. There was a lot of people that had never been that close to a snowmobile before in their entire life like a lot of people that walked up and said what what is this thing so yeah yeah and can we ride it this weekend <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was warm out so it wasn't getting used anywhere local but yeah there was a lot of people that had a lot of interest in it they wanted to sit on it i mean it, we took so many pictures of like kids and and other people like sitting on it because they just they hadn't been around a snowmobile in person before. Oh yeah, probably not even seen them most of them, right? They don't we don't think about that. I I think it was uh, BRP had their club down in Mexico the one year and they took they took a sled down or a couple sleds and had them on the beach kind of thing for on display. And uh and that's what I heard from from John Luke was saying that people were just they thought it was landed from another plant and they wanted to ride them right away and and uh it was so strange right yeah there are mountains in nevada (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they just don't get that much snow on them i don't know those guys don't know what they're missing yeah well you do have two inch paddles so you could have went out on big mead lake or whatever it is there (laughs) yeah Climb down the Hoover Dam, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys having a pit stop here, break, and you're finally dug out of the mess of the snow. Yeah, or this was right before it. I don't know. It looks pretty clean. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's another good lookout. Wow. I think that's another shot from that hill up on like Copper Harbor area, like before the, before you get to the bay and everything. And I got to tell you, when you get to the top of that hill, nine times out of 10, it's so windy. And I don't know if that's just from the, the conditions coming off the lake or what it is, but it is so windy. You can barely stand up when you get off your sled. Yeah. Wow. You want to be hanging on to something, right? If you're skinny guys like us, <laughs> you end up over the hill. 
I think Jay's uh, Jay's side by side gets more sitting around than he does riding it, does he? Well, yeah, it's it's kind of a I don't know if we what's the right term for it, trailer queen or something like that. <laughs> I I don't know if it even has like 500 miles on it, but that's it, funny. It does it does get seen a lot, and it does have a lot of miles riding in a trailer to a lot of events, but I don't know if it's necessarily uh, used that much. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a beautiful showpiece for for what you guys do. That's for sure. Yeah, we took this this picture is actually down at our distribution facility in Memphis, and we we took it down there for like a employee appreciation day where we you know set up had some swag that we gave away to the employees and everything, and then Jay had a side by side out. We were on our way down to the Mud National, so it worked out timing wise. But yeah. yeah, there were a lot of people that were, you know, workers at the the distribution facility that really drooled over the side by side and wanted to, you know, go for a ride. We didn't do any sort of like, you know, fun rides or anything in the parking lot, but there was plenty of takers if we were, you know, offering to do that. Yeah. Sweet. Oh yeah, for sure. I imagine they would, right? There's your old 14 again. Beautiful yep. shot. Where's this lighthouse? That is, I think, near Mackinac Island. I think that is, I think that's on the, the Michigan side by Mackinac Island. I think we had other fans sending pictures around this area, which because it, it looks familiar. Beautiful spot. I love it. it. Looks like a model train set or something. It's really neat with the white buildings and the red roofs. And you got that old factory or pumping station or something right there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where that's at. I think you're right. I mean, there's people from Dominator probably will know that area. He's in the chat. He can chime in on that. Yeah, maybe that's a good indication of where it is because that is actually out on the island. We rode the ice bridge out to Mackinac Island and, and, and then got to, like, you know, kind of bomb around the island because it's it's only the people that live there year-round and then the snowmobilers that make it out there. So, Yeah, I love that. So how, how big is that island? I don't know, like miles across or whatever, but I mean, it's, it's pretty small. I mean, it's only, shall we say like five miles across or maybe less than that, but it's, uh, it's pretty neat once you get out there because it's real, it's real quiet. Like there's, there's no hustle and bustle and everything that there is during the summertime, but it's, uh, it's a neat area. There's only like one bar that's open downtown. So everybody kind of shoehorns in there and, you know, tries to grab a bite and, you know, you see sleds lined up down the street, like in the downtown, you know, Mackinac area for like, as far as you can see, which is kind of cool. Very neat. Very neat. The Dominator says he's never seen that spot. He doesn't ride that far up in the UP though. He said, gotcha. Here we go. You like, you like this spot like that? Push the snow in the deep. Yeah, I mean, it's proof that you actually got into some good conditions. I mean, it may not be that that great on the trail, but if you find a good spot, you can bury it off the trail. You, you 
brag to your buddies that are down in Ohio that you're having more fun than they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Someone's signing up autographs here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's Jay signing autographs hey. for being being so cool. <laughs> I think it is Jay for sure. Yeah. That was at heydays, I think. Again, so we we gave away a lot of t-shirts, a lot of swag there, and raffled off a couple belts. That was a that was a good good show for us to be at. I think that's going to be a must do from here on out just because of the reception that we got and you know the feedback we got from the end users and everything i i think i think the snowmobile industry historically is pretty deco fans where like in the side by side in the atv world like there's a there's quite a few more players in that in that realm in the aftermarket so you don't see as many you know Deco fan people that are walking up and saying, "Yeah, I use a Deco belt or whatever," but you know, in the in the snowmobile world, it's it's pretty obvious that Deco's got a good name or has had a good name throughout the years. Oh, that's cool. I think it's probably like like a lot of the things with snowmobiling is once if you started using it back in the day as a youth or whatever or on the earlier machines, you just keep natural progression up knowing the quality and and the uh the, how it performs yeah yeah that's good you have a good location too you got the sea boys right across from me and 509 <laughs> right there you can't ask for a yeah, better I, spot i didn't know anything about sea boys tv until i went to the heydays and man i shame on me for not doing my research or knowing know what they were all about but there was a line around the block to say hi to those guys and get autographs from those guys like all weekend long. And they, they are definitely popular. There's a reason why they have 2 million followers on YouTube. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's another shot of the heydays tent. So maybe it's not a trailer queen. Maybe that, that side besides a tent queen. Could be a tent queen. Could just be, <laughs> could just be a show machine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Mackinac up. Bridge. The Mackinac Bridge right there. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a ride up from probably somewhere in the lower peninsula. That's before you cross the bridge. So I think that's as far as you can go north and the lower by trail and then stop and take a picture have a bite there's a couple restaurants that are open year-round nearby there and they turn around and head back so on occasion if there's good conditions between you know that gaylord on north into michigan you know you can ride all the way up to the bridge you can you can actually go across the bridge but they require you to put them on snowmobile trailers you can't ride them right. across the bridge. So, yeah. Well, that's saying a lot of guys wait till it freezes over and then ride alongside. Right? Yep. Yep. You can do that too. Another good vista there. What's that looking at? 
somewhere in the UP, I imagine. I don't don't know exactly what the spot is, but yeah, that's somewhere. I have yeah. to check the the <laughs> coordinates on that. That's actually out the very very tip of the Keweenaw Peninsula, like as far as you can ride on the trail, and whatever year that was, I don't know if it was. 17 or 18 <clears throat> but the it was unusually warm that year it was cold enough that we had good conditions when we were riding up there but the lake never froze over so it was like one of the only times that we've been up there where like you could still see open water and everything so that, that was kind of the point of all getting lined up and taking the picture by the lake there yeah, it's, you're right there. It looks like it's going to be lapping on the back of your machines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> it was probably three-quarters of the way around us on that peninsula. It was open water, just, you know, waves were crashing in and everything. Yeah, very cool. Love that. You don't see that every day, and you probably could go up three years in a row and never hit that same, same scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – that was an odd year to have open water right off of that peninsula in the time of year that we were up there. This picture is actually a motorcycling picture. This is down in Tennessee, Tennessee area in the Foothills Parkway. And that's a, a scenic road through like national parks and everything. That actually, oh, what town does that overlook? Um, is it Marysville or something just outside Knoxville? is what you're yeah, kind of right there. you can see forever yeah yeah here we go this is this was your your uh your recreational bike was it yeah that's that's uh my setup in street form so nice. off of the track that's what i rode for quite a few years i had a bunch of other bikes you know various sport bikes and everything but i always kind of turned back to the sv as being the Swiss army knife of street bikes to ride and everything. Cause it, it could really do everything you wanted it to do as far as handling and performance and all that stuff. So that was my choice and that's what I always rode. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, Dominator asked, John, did you see the blue ice on the peninsula on your road there? Mm, the blue ice on the peninsula. There was some, some interesting, ice up on the Keweenaw Peninsula. Like when we were out towards the end there, when the lake wasn't frozen over, there was like a bunch of almost looked like slush that was like kind of in this big bay area or whatever. I think it was just because it was on the verge of freezing over, but it wasn't. But yeah, I didn't, I don't know if I necessarily thought that it was blue ice. Maybe it was blue out on the frozen part. Other parts of your body were blue from the cold. Yeah, could, could have been. yeah. On the years, the years that the lake was actually frozen over, it was probably you know some some blue tips of our fingers. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's a great shot. You explore just like on the snowmobiles. A eh? nice group of people, and it, you know, you know there's, stopping there's so scenery. many. There's so many similarities between you know snowmobile riding and like leisure riding down in the the curvy roads and the smoky mountains is because you kind of pick a destination and you pick, 
you know, they're not trails, they're roads or whatever, but they're back roads that because we've been going down to that area for so many years, it's kind of natural for us to just, you know, ride without maps or anything like that, kind of like we do when we go to you know, the UP and everything. So, yeah, that was that was just a day when a few of us went out for just a small group ride and tried tried exploring some, you know, back roads or more or less. Yeah. Love it. And then right back into winter. Yeah. <laughs> this is what the backcountry is made for right here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good shot there. That was uh one of my one of my buddy's wives took that and she's she's good at catching, you know, opportunities like that. We'll be off the trail playing and won't even know that she's taking pictures and I think that's the best time to to get a couple couple photos just because you know you're not trying to like do anything special or whatever you're just playing around so oh absolutely we're gonna have to trade a couple b2 stinger led bulbs for daco belt is that the we're gonna talk we're gonna talk after the show all right send send, <laughs> send me your friends needs i'll send you mine <laughs> yeah, friends don't let friend ride halogens all right yeah. just know that <laughs> This is beautiful. It's a little uh, third gen, third gen SV650 is what that is in race trim. So. Yeah, nice. I can't believe the size of the brake. It's massive. Is it twin rotor too? It'd be one on the other side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually the front end is actually cannibalized off of a Gixxer 600 crotch rocket. And it mounts right up to the SV650. So that's not actually the factory brakes and factory forks on that thing. That's actually like upgraded based off of, a, you know, 2011 and newer SV650. Right on. So the SV is more of a touring, sport touring than it is a, a, a all the race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in street trim or like from the fact, from the dealership. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, no, it's it's sporty, but it's not a it's not a high performance like sport bike type of thing. But you know, with the right suspension and the right tuning done to it, it, it goes goes around a track really, really good. It, it's a well handling, good bike for people that are beginners getting out onto the track and everything. Just because you you know you don't have to fight the bike not doing what you want it to do. You can just like learn how to ride faster and kind of challenge yourself versus like struggling with getting the bike to work that well. Cause I, I have yet to be on an SV where it's like really, really hard to ride. They all kind of like, as long as they have a good baseline set up, they all handle really, really well. Yeah. Right on. Look dynamite too. Here you are getting interviewed. Yeah. That's uh it's a shot of me getting interviewed on TV during one of the Moto America races, but they're probably, so are you, are you kind of a big deal when it comes to that kind of thing? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm probably, no, probably not a big deal. I, I imagine the guy interviewing is probably one asking me questions of why I'm going so slow. <laughs> is there something wrong? Are you, yeah. so yeah. slow? Are, are you okay? Uh, 
I don't, yeah. I don't know why he was interviewing. It, probably because I was the only one in the pits. I mean, he might yeah, be <laughs> <laughs> Well, we might need some B-roll. I'll just get over there and talk to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. There's me on the grid. I, as long as you're having fun, that's all that counts, right? Oh, we have, we have a good time. The, the bike behind you there looks like it has white wheels, or are there covers on those wheels? You see that? Probably has probably has tire warmers on. So what you see is uh, like a foil wrap that's around it, and then we put those warmers or those blankets. They're basically heated blankets around the tires. Before and you've got them on yours too, but they're black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. And and the reason for that is to get the tires up to temperature. So when the the race starts, you know, they're, they're ready to go because the race bike uh, tires take a long time to, to build up heat. And yeah. you don't, you don't want to get the outside surface hot and have the inside like cool. You can get some bad wear characteristics on them and everything like that. So yeah, those are just the tire warmers that are on the bike that's in the background there. Very cool. Is that what that orange box is? It's beside the bike as well, or is that your Gatorade? <laughs> No, that's that's a, gener- that's a generator to run the tire warmers while we're out on the grid. So yeah, that's what I was thinking. It would be for the tire warmers. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. And starting the bike is it a push and and, and bump start kind of thing, or do they have electric? No, start? they they have electric starters on them, just like the like they do from the factory. So they're they're able to start up right there on the spot, and then you can you can ride right off of the off the hot pit there or off of the grid and, and get the race going. Yeah. Love it. I, I, I just like envy you for not like this with the knee on the ground. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people think that you have to go fast in order to put your knee on the ground. It's quite the opposite. Like it's, it's more of a, it's more of a point of reference for when you're turning so we use it as like just knowing kind of how far you're leaning over and it's it's more or less there for you know not leaning too far and getting outside the tread of the tires so i got you it's a more more of a feeler type of thing than than like you know like trying to be crazy or or doing something silly it looks silly Yeah, it, 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 I don't think it looks silly. I think it looked cool. Buddy of mine had a GPZ 550 in high school, and his his foot pegs were worn off on 45 degree angles. Is it cornering like that? Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah, but I always love the 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 uh, track runs like you, where they're actually got that knee right on the ground. I think that's very cool. You got a little pad there and everything. Does it is it is it more bike than than skill of the driver or uh, no comment on that? I mean, it's a combination experience. I mean, to drag a knee, I mean, beginners can do that, but I mean, you you don't necessarily have to put your knee down in order to go fast. Is I guess no. the point to make. Like, just because your knees on the ground doesn't equate to a fast lap time. It's it's more you know, carrying a lot of speed through the turns and everything. Nice. 
another one too. Couple of shots here. What's the clamp on the on the right handlebar for? What am I looking at? That there? is actually a brake lever guard. So when you're in close proximity to other bikes out on the track, that is a kind of a deflector so that you don't tangle up with the bike next to you or the brake lever doesn't get bumped while you're riding. I got you. Oh yeah, you wouldn't want to touch that. Yeah, with <laughs> with those brakes with those brakes being as strong as they are, if you slammed on them or ran that brake lever into another bike, you would get catapulted off the front end of the bike. Oh, I'm sure you would, right? Uh, Corey wants to know what you use for knee pads. Is it Kevlar? Those those knee pucks in this picture are actually that white area on the knee is actually a hard plastic. It's like a nylon that it velcros onto the suit so as they're wearing down and they they wear out you can just like peel them off with the velcro and you can put a fresh set on but it's a really really hard like nylon material is what it is so you're not wearing your hockey shin guards on the bike no i mean the like suit have the suits have like you know protection built into the suit and like extra reinforcement and everything but on the knee itself that's just like a hard wearable plastic is what's on there yeah you've got them on your elbows too yeah i am not i'm not good enough to you know have the ones on my elbows worn out from actually leaning that far but there are some guys that are on that level these days yeah wow i wasn't sure if it was if you went off the bike you're gonna slide on those there's a little bit of that, you know, it's crash protection. So you do slide and, you know, nothing catches as you're like, you know, sliding across the track or across the pavement. But there's guys that are getting good enough now where they're, they're dragging their elbows just as much as they're dragging their knees because they're leaning so far in the turns. Wow. And something that doesn't need leaning in the turns too much Back yeah. to your back country. <laughs> have you ever wiped that bad? Have you ever had have you ever had to use the rely on the equipment to save your skin? Yes, I have. We'll save that for another episode. But yeah, I have <laughs> I have had a a couple of bad offs before. But I'm I'm still here. I'm still still standing. All my all my fingers and toes still work and everything. So I'm okay. Maybe my oh, my head my head might be a little bit damaged because I still want to go out and do it more. But you know, it's uh, it's it's a fun sport, but there are some risks and dangers involved. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Another great lookout. And then your friend with the Polaris and and uh, <laughs> your backcountry sitting there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't usually hang out with guys that ride Polarises, but you know that's. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm a dude guy too. That's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of Polaris fans. There's nothing wrong with them. No, I, I've you know I've traded off with guys that are riding Polarises and stuff, and they're good machines. I, I like. I like certain things about them, but I've always kind of ridden skidoos and I've always owned skidoos. So it's kind of been what I've stuck with, but yeah, there's some things that 
I do like about the Polaris machines. It's just I've never never liked them enough to run out and buy a brand new one. Yeah, true. How often do you uh, upgrade your equipment, your sleds? How often do I operate them? No, upgrade. Like oh, upgrade. Get... Yeah. I would like to say I get a new one every, say, two or three years. Yeah. It's kind of the the routine that I'm on right now. So, I, but if I got a bunch of years in a row where I'm not riding that much or like the conditions aren't that good or, you know, I don't make it up to northern Michigan where we can ride and everything then I'll probably hang on to the sled a little bit longer. But, yeah, probably probably on a two- or three-year rotation at this point. Yeah, sweet. That's That seems normal, right? You're still getting yeah. good value out of it and good trading value when you go to uh, trade it, that type of thing. Love the snow here. There's one of the, uh, the newer red and white uh, backcountry XRSs there. Yeah, so this crew was actually, you know the guys from Snowtech Magazine? Yeah, yeah. I don't know them personally, but I know of them, yes. Yeah, so I was actually up in the Sidnaw area in the UP over by like Bruce Crossing and everything. And and I was, I had a day where I was, I don't want to say stranded or alone, but like I, I kind of t- teamed up with these guys and they said, hey, we're going to go do some backcountry exploring or whatever. We know a bunch of really good like kind of hidden spots and if you want to come with us you know feel free so i did and man it was the it was the best like i don't know how many miles we rode like 75 miles or something like that but it was all like waist deep fresh powder the entire day long like we never we never had a path or a trail that we were going down that we weren't the first ones like cutting the trail and it was it was um day that i'll never forget as far as riding snowmobiles yeah wow that's awesome <laughs> i think i think they actually made me sign a waiver to say that like i wouldn't like use my breadcrumb trail or like gps while i was out riding with them because all of the areas that they were like area like riding were areas that they wanted to keep kind of like top secret for like doing their testing and all that stuff. So that's cool. I, I had to swear to secrecy that I wouldn't like take anybody else out on those back trips, which if, if you told me to go find that same spot, I don't think I could, I have no idea yeah. where, where I was like they, they had me so turned around. I, I probably would have been lost if I was trying to get out of there. That is really cool. Yeah. Love that. Well, that's that's quite the privilege too to be uh, asked to ride like that. Yeah, and I think they were they were a little hesitant. I don't they they didn't know much about like my riding ability or anything else. And and I said, well, if I'm holding you guys back or if I'm slowing you down, then like just say something, and I'll you know I'll try to get back to camp and leave you guys alone. But I. I held my own and and stuck with them and everything, but they were they were really good riders. The one guy's son, like he'd been riding since he was you know a really really young kid, and he had he had some really really good skills. So it was it was fun to push my limits a little bit and like get out with those guys. So yeah, that's neat. This is another shot of that day. No, this is actually another day up in the UP, kind of in the Ishpeming, north of Ishpeming area. This was uh, just a day of 
one of those like ride the trail for five miles and then hop off on some gas well roads or some like you know seasonal roads and see where we can get stuck and that's exactly what what we did that day so we we ventured off trail and kind of kept riding and riding until the trees and the path wasn't going to let us ride anymore and got turned around and came back but it was it was real deep nice conditions all day long just like you see there i love that wow He's waist deep and in uh, up to the up to his uh, waist deep. So I'm gonna yeah, actually that, find that picture. I that, don't. Uh... That particular spot, I think I could find again because we we wanted to make a point to go back to that same spot when the conditions were really good. So that one, I think I could replicate the picture of. But the other one, I don't. I don't know if I could try that one again. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Now you had, I had actually found a picture of the belt. Um, actually, I can call it up off your website, I think. I did bring some with me. Oh, you did? Here, I'll, I'll make you big then if you want to show it up and we'll talk about yeah. the compound of that that belt. And Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the CTX belt i don't i don't know if there's shut your blurred background off because it's actually bearing the belt oh okay uh, yeah yeah there you go perfect so kind of the beauty behind this belt is it, it, typically cbt belts have like a different compound or a different type of rubber on the inside versus the outside and because we use that hybrid carbon cord we actually have to use one continuous material throughout the entire thing. So as this belt's getting broken in and getting used, you won't see any sort of like discoloration between the two layers. It'll all be like one, one continuous, like, I guess, rubber compound and everything. But yeah, that's, this is the new, the new CTX belt and we're, we're pretty happy with it. So yeah, I mean, so you look, can look like a normal belt, you see more bands on the side, and that seems to be solid black. So, am I looking at that correctly? Yeah, I mean the the cord cord layer is still there. Uh, you can still see the cord line, but I mean it it, it all depends on where the belt's cut within the sleeve because these are made on like a big drum, and right they're then they're cut to width. So, I mean this thing this thing in raw form started off as something that's like you know four or five feet wide and then they cut a whole wow. bunch of like narrow narrow sections off of it and you know get the angles cut on it and everything but yeah that's that's it, for people that don't know how cbt belts are made that's how they're made is they're actually made in a a really wide width and then they're vulcanized and you know after they're cured and everything, they're cut to just whatever width they need to be, which I think this one's like an inch and a half or something. Yeah, right, right. What did Daco start as? Did they start doing like, yeah, were they were they in industrial belts or or, or was it always in performance? Uh, no, it was the, the, Dayton, the Dayton Rubber Company back like, I think a hundred years ago or something, they were making like tires at one time. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the same the same materials, right? 
So you're just processing a little bit different way and, and that type of thing. So it is actually, if somebody ever sees or knows how tires are, I guess, layered and put together, you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, belts are put together very, very similar to how tires are made. Oh, for sure. I'm going to find that picture. Um, I know I had to. There it is, the cutaway right here. Look at, uh, you can kind of see it good here. I'm just going to actually go back to that. <laughs> this this is a really slow reaction. There we go. There. So you can kind of see what we're looking at here. Yeah, I, I mean, this is kind of what I was just talking about, but like that <laughs> that cord layer that's in there, that where we say like the carbon fiber glass hybrid cord. So it's a it's a carbon strand cord that's actually wrapped with fiberglass media around it, and the fiberglass media is just there for the rubber to adhere to. It's not actually there for increasing the strength or anything. It's just like a, it stick, the rubber sticks to the fiberglass sleeve around the cord a lot better than it does directly to the carbon fiber. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like a bonding agent kind of thing yeah, more than anything else. More or yeah. less. It's like, like, a, like a strong fabric that's kind of around there. But typical, <clears throat> typical CBT belts actually have like an Aramid or a Kevlar cord. And this particular belt, the new belt, is actually a carbon... I guess, strand or carbon fiber cord that's wrapped with fiberglass. And then the, like I was saying, the inside and outside of the belt, as far as a rubber compound is actually the same compound throughout. And that's so when it's all vulcanized and cured together using pressure and heat, it actually becomes all one unit. So it makes it a lot more durable, a lot stronger. Right. Yep. Here I just got. Uh, I've got some uh, some spam messages happening here. They think we're uh, we're dating service. I think. Uh -oh. <laughs> I get them every week. The moderator's probably at the beer fridge. There we go. He's back. <laughs> Yeah, are you the are you the only one using carbon? Is that unique to Deco, or is that uh, is there other people using something similar? Right, right now, this this cord technology is proprietary to Deco. We actually have a patent around that cord technology, so that's why when we brought it over from the timing belts or the blower belts that are used in the top fuel drag dragsters and everything, it's a good fit for you know our own design and our own capabilities and everything because we're we're at liberty to use it in whatever belts we want so right now yes we are the only ones using it but the kevlar kind of airmen cord is probably the most predominant one that you see out there and i know some of the companies are like incorporating like carbon fiber into the strands or into the rubber itself which, you know, yep. we're, we're experimenting or we're doing a little bit of that with 
with this belt, but it's it's not to the level of you know saying that the rubber is like a carbon fiber rubber or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob Reinhardt says he loves Deco belts. If you're a skidoo guy, you want to gain consistent power without the surge in the top end, run Deco. You'll gain one or two mile an hour on top and a ton more miles, hands down. He says. That's a good go. testimonial for you. You send send Robert a can koozie or some swag. Yeah, no kidding. I can get, I can hook you up. All right. <laughs> yeah. So Hermit Rob just bought some Deco for spares, actually. Well, you should run them as your primary belts and then run your other ones for spares. Yeah, That's a lot of you, do. you know, we, we talk to these people at the shows and they're like, Well, I'm gonna get I'm going to get one of your belts as like a backup. And I, maybe I agree, maybe I disagree with that, but I think it's more important to have a fresh belt on as your primary belt and like a used belt as your backup one. So you're getting the most performance out of your machine and everything. And, you know, whether, whether it's a deco or whether it's a competitor belt or whatever, I would, I would prefer to see, people using whichever belt is newer as their one that they're using when they're riding. Yeah. Yeah. Good tip. I like how you're, uh, you're, you're, you're really modest about the, the belt and, and honest and upfront and everything like that. We really appreciate that. You know, as far as not going, Hey, it's the best, just run it. You know, you're, you're, you're saying whatever's whatever better belt, the newer belt, run it. Uh, Dominator not wants to wear it. He can find Deco Power Sport belts, auto parts stores, online dealers. Where do people buy them? Yeah, right now we our main like customer distributor that we go through is Western Power Sport. So if you have a dealer that buys through Western, they have access to buy every single one of our part numbers, and you can find them on. Most of the e-commerce sites, you know, Amazon and eBay and stuff like that, I just don't have a, a good understanding of where they would originally come from because we don't control the source of supply when it comes to, you know, the online retailers and stuff like that. But you could, if, if there's an advanced auto parts within your area or a CarQuest store, they can also, they can also order CVT belts too so some of them carry them in stock i know like there's some dealerships or some advanced stores that are out west that actually have like a pegboard of cvt belts like on hand because they're in an area where there's like some trail riding and stuff like that but uh, any anything that we offer you can buy through western and advance yeah what mike Gooley's wants to know which belt you would recommend for a 900 turbo ski dude 900 turbo i i would say like the xtx is a very well suited belt for that you know if you got into some of the you know the new machines that are turbocharged uh i guess that 900 turbo he's probably referring to that mxc that's out now right he he has the other one the the they're all the same kind of the mxc has the, the launch control on it though um, where he's got the 900R turbo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that one, it's it's probably a, a borderline recommending the CTX belt, but the XTX is a, is a good belt for snowmobiles in that range. But 
if he's having problems or if he does a bunch of upgrades to that machine, you know, upgrades the turbo or increases the boost or something like that, then I would say you probably want to go with the CTX line just because it's going to be stronger. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Greg, yeah. Greg Kelly, uh, Greg Kelly yeah. asked if uh, Royal Distributor was the a primary source of our belts. And that, that is a true statement up in Canada. Royal yeah. carries all of our stuff. And there's a couple other distributors that are up there that carry all of our stuff. Do you have a uh, do you have a um, a dealer locator on your website? We do, I think. Uh, but but if if you are having trouble finding a CBT belt, you know, through your local source or you know in your area, then you know just contact us through our website, and we'll we'll get you in touch with somebody like a sales rep or somebody that can help you out. Yeah, for sure. And the 850, would it be the, the Skidoo 850? Would it be a, a CTX or an XTX belt? Either that? one, to be honest. It, it depends what kind of, you know, riding or what kind of abuse you're putting it through. You know, if, if you're if you're loading up the track with, you know, really heavy snow off trail and stuff like that, I mean, I would probably say work your way towards a CTX belt if you can find one. But uh, the XTX is is still going to be a good good like comparable belt to the OE. I mean we've we've done a lot of testing with the XTX and the CTX against what what's out there from the dealerships, and they they match up really really well. I mean the CTX lasts longer and it it handles a lot more abuse, but it's not necessarily like you know, twice as good or something. It just, it's a better construction for the applications that it's used for. And like I said earlier, like it, it's really catered around the most upgrades that are done to the machine. So the guys that are going out and they're doing the hill climbs in the mountains and stuff out in West and everything, like that's where they're going to see the longevity and the life, you know, lasting a lot longer in the CTX belt. Yeah, nice, nice. Good to know. CTX, if you can, I guess if you can afford it and you want the strongest, that's the way to go, right? Yeah, I mean, the the price point is probably, I don't know if it's uh, maybe 30 or $40 more for the CTX, you know, given, yeah. given where you're buying it from. But uh, it's, <clears throat> I'm just saying that it's not, it's not a hundred percent necessary on something like an 850. I I rode my 850 before the CTX came out uh, with an XTX on it, and it, it worked fine. So, I'm not saying that it's a bad belt. No, all for sure. Hermit Rob says, "God, I love this sport." I said, "That's the attitude, oh, boy." <laughs> we all do. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's one of those every year I often think like, you know, maybe I should get out of snowmobiling, maybe I should try something else, or you know, take the investment and like, you know, buy some you know, buy a side by side or like something that. else. But but then I go <laughs> then I go for a trip and like as soon as I get the sled out of the trailer, it's like, Nope, I'm gonna keep it. Nope, I'm gonna do this. You know, like it's yeah. it's such a it's such an awesome feeling when you get like a good day's ride in or when you get a long weekend in where the conditions are like just right. Like it it could be, it could be two days of just hard riding and it took like, you know, 12 hours to get there and it was worth it. 
You know, like I, yeah. I can't really think of many other sports where like you spend that much traveling and not much like time actually on the machines, but it was like a hundred percent worth it. You know, that's why I say if you had a dealership that was right on the trail in the middle of a bush, you could probably sell everyone a brand new sled when you're out there. You know right. why people, you know why people are so highly invested in it because you just need to ride that once and hit that spot. Right. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. So where can we, where can people follow you and find you on social media and your website? You want to plug those? Yeah. So on Instagram, we got Deco aftermarket uh, is the, is the Instagram. I think it's Deco. Deco official. I think it is. No, Deco official is our global Instagram. Oh, okay. The, no problem. Yeah. And, and people get confused with that. Uh, the, Instagram page, if everybody's writing it down or typing it into their Instagram search thing, is Deco North America is what the Instagram uh, page is for what we're doing. Oh, there we go, right there. Follow and I, right I now. believe I believe that the Facebook page is also Deco North America too. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I think I think the I had the other one, Deco Official, follow me, so I followed them back. Um, just so I wondered if that was you guys or not. And then what about your website? The website for, for North Deco. America is, is na.decoaftermarket.com. So the NA stands for North America.decoaftermarket.com. Right on. Perfect. Yeah. Follow them up. Hit like on this video, hit subscribe on this video as well. Oh, does Dennis Kirk sell your product? That's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I, I know they're not they're not buying direct. We do supply through Parts Unlimited, and I think maybe Dennis Kirk and Parts Unlimited are tied together somehow, but I, I could be wrong on that. Yep, no problem. You know, email, hit the website or hit social media and contact them and message them, and they can probably find a dealer in your area. Yeah, I mean, we have a we have a really good tech hotline as well. So if you're if you're too impatient to get a email back or whatever, just give our hotline a call, and we got a couple of tech guys that are really really sharp and really good with like application questions. They know all the all the things to say about you know what what the belts are used for and all that stuff. And if they can't answer it, then they'll get in contact with myself or one of the other product guys. And we'll get you fixed up. Awesome. Love hearing that. That's good. Um, I won't keep you any longer. I want to thank you so much for your time tonight. And it was pretty interesting chat and, and a good time. We had a lively audience too, asking some great questions. Um, so thank you. Yeah, Gary. Uh, I hope to be at the Toronto show next year. So maybe we can get a face-to-face -face interview then and we can right walk on. around and see some stuff. And if, if we got anything new, then we'll be able to show it off with, with you guys when we're there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything new pops up, just shoot me an email and I can make sure it gets the fans and, and away we go. Okay. Yeah. So stick around after the show. I'm going to hook you up with some LEDs and then uh, we'll have a chat. Okay. So I'm going to roll okay. the credits. Just stay online and, Thank you, everybody, in the chat as well. It was another great night. Next week, we have 
Muskoka Freerider on. So make sure you tune in. Oh, and there's one other thing with the group ride. I'm working on a, uh, a, a t-shirt design, um, free t-shirt with everyone that signed up for a group ride. And if you want to sponsor, if you want to get a logo on it, just reach out to me at fanphoto at mudbrat.com. And uh, we can talk about uh, sponsorships and we'll put your, lo your logo either on the front or the back of the shirt and uh, help offset the cost of production. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll get that rolling. We'll talk more about that next week. And I might even have a design to show the people too. So anyway, Greg Kelly says, good show, Gary and John, all the best lads. And uh, thanks again, guys. We'll roll them out. And if any if anybody ever sees me at a you know a watering hole or anything up in in the in trails or whatever, then you know track me down and and say you saw me on the on the live stream. Yeah, for sure. If anybody contacts anyone from Daco, make sure you mention snowmobile sessions as well. I right. really appreciate that. So yeah, okay. Let's uh, let's hang out a bit, and I'll just roll these credits here. Thanks right, a lot, thanks. John. Yeah. It's a journey for